This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. My name is Tom Singer, and I started this podcast a little over seven years ago, and we have now crossed 700 episodes where I talk to business leaders, C-level executives, entrepreneurs, and other people who are shaking things up in the world of business. And today, we are going to talk about digital-first leadership. Let's face it, we live in this crazy world where everybody is paying attention to Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and all of these things, and sometimes executives go, whoa, man. I have a company to run. Well, this week I attended a conference and one of the speakers was Richard Bliss and he is the president of Bliss Point. How cool is that when your name is Bliss and you get to work it in to your whole company? Because when it really comes to our success, don't we want to be filled with bliss? Come on. Well, Richard Bliss really impressed me and his speech that he gave us was about using LinkedIn to be more successful in business. Now, I believe in this. You all know that what I do for a living is I teach people about human engagement. And while I'm all about the face-to-face, we live in a digital world. We have to be using all these digital tools. But he taught me some things about LinkedIn that were totally counter to what I believed. And I looked at him and I said, would you please come on my podcast? And without missing a beat, he looked at me and said, no. And I thought he was serious. I'm like, oh, okay, well, you're really busy. And he just busts into laughing with this great smile. He goes, of course I'll come on your podcast. And 48 hours later, here we are sharing his brilliance with you. So what he does for a living is he helps executives figure out how to be online successfully. And he works with sales teams so that they can use social media to close more business. Hey, Richard, welcome. Welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. Tom, it is a pleasure to be here. I have to admit that I felt guilty after saying no to you as a joke. And the look on your face, I was like, oh, no. I, and then I was like, that's why I had to bust out laughing because I was joking, but you took me so serious. And I was like, oh, no. Well, so I, I, I've, a, I've a encountered a couple of people who are like, no, I don't do little podcasts like yours, little boy. Go away. So I thought, all right, that's who he is. I misread him. <laughs> no, no, I felt so bad afterwards. What a pleasure it was to meet you and to spend time at uh, at the conference together. And what a and, and I felt so uh, honored that you were going to ask me to come back up, come on your show. So thank you for having me here. Awesome. Well, we're going to have some, some fun unpacking this whole idea of digital first leadership. And before we do that, though, I have to thank the first sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you all by Stanton Chase International, one of the leading global executive search firms serving as trusted advisors to help companies build their senior leadership teams. Now, if you're a regular listener to the show, you know that I work 
for Stanton Chase International. And I think they're one of the best companies I've ever been affiliated with. So if you're looking to grow that senior leadership team, reach out to me and I can connect you with the best executive search consultant in your industry. All right, so Richard, you talk about, your book is actually called Digital First Leadership. Why in the world do executives even need to worry about things like LinkedIn? Because they're busy, they got a company to run, they got a staff, they got things. Why is it the CEO's even concern to think about their social media presence? I've had that question asked to me by many executives. I live in Silicon Valley. I work with Silicon Valley companies and I work with a lot of executives. And I've had them ask me that. And I have a, this is my quote, and this is what I tell them to their face. Your inability to master modern communication tools like social media calls into question your ability to lead a 21st century organization. And I got to tell you, the first time I ever said that to an executive, it was a very small room. And I held my breath because I don't think anybody ever talked to him like that. And I saw his pupils dilate. I, we were that close. And it was like, oh, I'm about to die. And I held my breath and he blinked and he says, okay, you've never steered me wrong. What is the first thing I need to do? And from then we were able to move forward. And so that, that perception it, it, for our generation, Tom, it would be remembering the executive who couldn't figure out how to put paper in the copy machine. It's, it's that same equipment. Uh, equivalent. Being out of touch with the modern way that people communicate today means that they start to doubt that you're even in touch with how the company's being run. So that's one of the key elements to why leaders should be on LinkedIn and social media today. So, I mean, I can understand if the leader is is your age or my, you know, your, yours and my age, or if they're older, that maybe they didn't grow up with these tools. But I even find some younger executives kind of think, oh, I'm beyond needing to deal with LinkedIn. Absolutely. And a lot of it has to do with them being younger and growing up using these tools casually. And they have developed, I'm not want to say bad habits, but they've developed casual habits and they forget to think how this is impacting them on a much broader scope because they've just been using it. And the, the embarrassing pictures from the frat house, well, okay, no big deal. I mean, they've had, they've lived in this environment, forgetting of the impression they're making far beyond the reach of their circle of friends. So it's funny you say embarrassing pictures from the frat house. My fraternity brothers and I, who, you know, we graduated in the 80s and early 90s, and we talk about all the time that, thank God, not everybody had a camera on them. There was only one person in our fraternity who was kind of a camera nerd, and that was me. And so I have all of the embarrassing photos. Like, there is a whole file of embarrassing photos of all my friends. (laughs) However... However, there's none of me because I was the only person with a camera and I have a running joke with a, one of my fraternity brothers who's in, in politics. I won't actually uh, use his name. I'll make up a fake name. But there's a joke that the words President John Doe can never be said unless they're followed by the words Ambassador Tom Singer because I've got the proof. I've got the photos, man. Uh, so, nice. yeah, so, so we grew up in an age where that wasn't a thing and, and it just made me laugh when you said that. Yep. That's exactly it. And they, and they're just, they're not oblivious, but ambivalent to the impact that it's having. And that's one of the things that they need to adjust to is the professionalism, um, not just the personalization. So what's keeping executives of all ages from being super successful when it comes to LinkedIn and some of these other tools? Really, it comes down to three elements. Almost every executive I work with um, has three main reasons. So much so, just so you know, as I go through these, my mother used to be an executive. She's retired now. And uh, I was, she says, do I need to be on LinkedIn? And she rattled off all the reasons she's not. And they were exactly one, two, and three. Just, uh, so even my mother. Um, <laughs> but here what they are. Number one, 
most executives feel that um, social media is is time consuming and they don't have the time. That's number one. I don't have the time. And you already said it, I'm running a company. And one of the things that prompts this is the way they see the younger generation consuming social media. There's a difference between participating and consuming. And they see everybody, all all these younger people on their phones all the time, on their iPads, on their devices, watching Twitch, whatever it might be. And they're like, I don't have that kind of time. Number two, they, when they do look at social media, it appears that everybody is so self-promotional. It's the sports stars. It's the over-the-top politicians. It's, the, um, it's your paparazzi-type seeking. It's the Kardashians of the world, honestly. Right? I'll just, <laughs> you said like, it. I don't we, want, we can, I, they don't listen to the show. No Kardashian has ever listened to making waves <laughs> at sea level that I'm aware of. So we, we can disagree. But, but, but that's what they see. And they're like, I don't want to be that. And also, because most of the time when an executive moves up the, the, the ladder, they become more conscious of not making it about them, but making it about the team and the organization. And so it doesn't, it doesn't feel right. The third reason has shocked me, and it's so consistent. They've, they legitimately don't feel they have anything of relevance to share. And you got to think about it. I'm going to tell you right now, I've had executives who have told me that they were involved with Title IX, the transformation of the law so that women's sports, like one of them was the woman, was the young lady who was involved with the lawsuit that caused Title IX. And she's like, well, what do I have to share? <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. Probably some very valid things, yeah. Very valid. And so it's this, it's a bit self-deprecating, but it's this that they, they literally don't believe that anybody would really wonder what's going on inside their heads. And so that has shocked me. That one's, but it's so consistent across the board. Those three things are what keeping most executives from being active on social media. So let's really quick, let's address time. It, I, I, I understand why executives are like, ah, I don't have time. So how do they deal with that, that first one? How, how do they deal with it where it doesn't become a time suck? They switch from consuming to um, participation. And participation does not have to be all the time. And you and I have already did this test. What they need to do is be focused with their engagement and participation. Once a week, finding some time to share the thoughts that are in their head about what's going on can take about 15 minutes, 15 minutes to sit down and share something, a why, why are they doing this? What's the decision or the commentary or something that's happening in the world around them. That 15 to 20 minutes once a week as a leader. Now for you and I, 15 minutes once a week, isn't going to cut it because we're in a different state. But as far as an, a senior leader, that once, I've seen some of the executives I work with go from no engagement at all to having hundreds of thousands of views on a post in a week simply because they have shifted their attitude and they're willing to share their voice and they do it for that 15 or 20 minutes. And then obviously that's I think the, this, that's the main one. Yeah. this one might be self-explanatory, but what can they do to not seem self-promotional if that's their fear? Well, the important there, one there is to, to realize. So I always encourage it's LinkedIn and, and on LinkedIn you're, you are talking about business trends, the vision of the company, maybe the vision of your product, how it's impacting your employees. One uh, leader that I work with heavily uh, when COVID hit, he came to me and said, I want to say something about um, that it's going to be okay because everybody was really nervous and scared at the very beginning. So we, I helped him craft a post to tell his audience, not just his hundreds and thousands of employees around the world, but also to those who he knew that, hey, this is going to be okay. 
We're going to be okay. Don't waste this opportunity. Take an opportunity to grow, learn, use this experience. Well, that has nothing to do with running his company. That was that human element that he wanted to communicate. And again, he was shocked that over 100,000 people looked at that post in the first week. He's like, holy cow, I have this ability to tell this story. And so that's by focusing on others, using your platform to focus on others and to help others share and share your knowledge with others, helps them understand that it's not just about self-promotion about them. Sure. And then the final one is they don't think they have anything to say. Now, you and I know that they do, but but how do we get them to be able to, to see their, their brilliance and, and their insight outside of, hey, look at me? I sat down with one executive. I was doing a lot of writing for some executives for Forbes. They, as I worked with them as they had, um, uh, they were putting content out on Forbes and I would work with them. And we got done with the interview and the executive said, wait, that was it? Because I didn't actually ask any interview questions. Instead, I just had them tell me a story. And, I, and, then, and then they'd say something and I was always listening with the ear of my audience. And they'd use an acronym or a, a term that I was very familiar with. But I'd say, oh, what does that mean? And I'd ask the, what we call the dumb question. And then they would be like, oh, and they'd start to explain it. And then I would ask that next, oh, well, what about this? And that story would evolve and come from that. That is the secret sauce that my firm has been able to do with the executives I work with. When I sit down with them, one, I've been in the industry a very long time. Two, I have been an executive. But three, I understand that the ability to draw out the story and these sh- have them start to share some amazing stories. Um, I, I, here's one example. I'm walking with a CEO of a company at a trade show and we're just talking and he says, oh, I got to go stop by my booth. Okay. He says, I got to go check out the carpet. What a weird, okay. So as we're walking there, he says, he started his career as a young salesperson spending hours on his feet in the booth on, a, on carpet that had nothing but under it but cement. And he swore to this, if he ever got in a position to make a difference, he would always get the thickest, fattest pad and carpet he could. And he goes and checks every time his show, he's at a show. Well, I'm listening to that saying, that's amazing. So I took his story, crafted it, gave it back to him and said, look, you need to share this story. He's like, nobody cares about that. Oh yeah, they did. Oh, How, I, these, I, I've perked up because I started my career as a salesman who had to work a lot of trade shows and I can fully, even as a young person, I mean, imagine at my age, my feet would hurt really bad. But even as a young person, at the end of the day, you're like, oh my God. And to have a boss who would spend the extra money on a pad and a carpet, you'd love that boss. So that is a great story. It is, but he didn't see it as that. He just saw it as something that he did. And the fact that he didn't want to really tell, there was, that's no story. I'm not going to go tell people that. Oh yeah, you are going to tell people that. Because it's one of the ways that it's, it's that, that's where these executives are like, really? People are interested in that? My, my guess we, is that, my guess is that every single salesperson who has an account on LinkedIn liked that story. <laughs> uh-huh. And they were like, oh my God. And they just like you and I, yes, we have been there. My feet start hurting just thinking about it, right? <laughs> because we're in dress shoes and those heels and you're like, well, no, not, not high heels. I'm just thinking, whatever. Okay. <laughs> this went you, way wrong real fast. You okay. gave me a new image, but we're not going to go there. So, <laughs> so a couple days ago, I was able to see Richard, Richard speak. And he talked about some tips for crafting your LinkedIn posts and some of the things he said to do from the posting side. And then he also had some advice about how and when and how to comment. 
were counterintuitive to what all of us think because a lot of us have grown up on social media because LinkedIn's been there forever, but it's really been sort of the social media stepchild until the last few years. The real focus had always been like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And so we grew up that you post a lot, you use a billion hashtags, uh, you post every couple of hours, you use as many videos and images as you can. And you came out and said some things and people at my table in the audience were like, what? No, I don't, I don't think so. So could you share some of those tips about how to use LinkedIn, just, just the, the high level version? Sure. Everything you just said, the exact opposite. <laughs> and, that, and, that, and so here we go. One, LinkedIn, be, people need to understand fundamentally that LinkedIn's revenue model is different than all the other social media platforms. 80% of their revenue comes from paying customers. Many of my clients spend more than $1 million a year on LinkedIn, right? So that's where the revenue is coming from, not from advertising. So Yes, LinkedIn allows you to post about once every four hours. If you post more than that, they're going to hide your content from your platform, from your network. You think it's going up there and you think it's failing. It's not failing. Well, LinkedIn is literally hiding it. You only get about one post every few hours to moderate and control the flood of content. Number two, if you add a link and drive their, tra- their customers to somebody else's platform, they will limit how much people? How many people see that link and see that post? So, so well, if I'm if I'm putting an article from Harvard Business Review or Inc. that links to those pages, that's actually going to ding me on the algorithm. It is, and so what I demonstrated in my um, presentation that you saw is instead take the content and put it in front of the audience instead of trying to drive the audience to the content. This is a dramatic shift from the way we have been raised with build a website make the blog, drive, find SEO to drive everybody to it. No, no, now you, now, no, you need to bring the content in front of them. And people say, well, I put the link. No, you put a conduit for them to go find it, but don't make them work for it. So what I teach is stay away from pictures unless it's something personal. So the photo, I, the post I put out yesterday and you commented on it, I appreciate it, had a picture of me standing backstage. That's different than a stock photo that, is not going to drive any kind of interest or engagement. So stay away from stock photos. Use videos in a limited basis because videos are the worst performing content on LinkedIn. Uh, it's all about the conversation. Write 100 words, 150. I've seen a few that are going past 150 words. You're going to start to lose your audience a little bit. But about 100 to 150 words, text only dominates. These are the things that caused your table to go, What? is he talking about because we're looking for the pray, the 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 inspirational quotes with the photo the, the heroic photo and the instagram look if you use more than 5 hashtags on linkedin you're going to get dinged so 3 to 5 hashtags no more these are the types of things that shocked the audience because it's opposite of everything they're doing on every other social media platform and you even said even though it's like one every 4 hours you even were saying like like once a day or less is fine and 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 preferable yeah because you made a post yesterday Right. And that post did very well for what you've told me. Uh, one of the best performing posts you ever had in, in the last 24, 48 hours. Yes. If you make another post go live, LinkedIn's like, okay, here's the other thing. LinkedIn doesn't share it with your entire network. They only pick a test group of about 10% of the people you're connected to and they'll test it. Well, they can only test one post at a time. So if you made a great post yesterday and it's just still going and you make another post today, LinkedIn's going to temporarily suspend that first post promotion and start testing that new post today. And then after about an hour or two, it's going to compare which one's doing better. And that's the one it's going to promote. The other one will still have some momentum, but the, but that 
that losing momentum is what happens. And so sometimes if you've got a really good post going, give it a, a run a couple of days. I usually post my most important content on Thursday because I don't post again till Monday. And that gives a solid three days, even though it's the weekend, a solid three days for my content to run without me stepping on it with a new piece of content that I want to divert my audience to start paying attention to. So that's so interesting because I had a post, I followed your advice, I did a post, I got one of the highest amount of views I've ever seen. And then about 36 hours later, I did another post, but I intentionally posted video to see if it would do poorly, which most of my videos that I posted do poorly compared to text in a simple photo. And sure enough, that second photo or that second post isn't performing as well, but it also stopped the first post. Then about the time I posted that second, that original post stopped getting more views. And so that's interesting. You, you didn't tell me that from the stage. So I didn't know I should have waited longer. Tom, I had 20 minutes up there to try to crank out everything. And you saw, even when they tried to put the hook and pull me off the stage, I'm like, no, I'm not leaving. <laughs> so, <right. laughs> so I've got more questions about LinkedIn and about how executives can live uh, their digital first leadership. But first, I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure you're going to sound amazing Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing people who are making waves in business like Richard Bliss. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that many of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. And yes, for the last year and a half, all of you have pointed out we've never changed that URL when I changed the name of this podcast from cool things entrepreneurs do to making waves at sea level. I've never gotten together with Podfly and changed that link. So it's podfly.net slash cool things. And they'll actually give you like, I think it's like 10% off uh, their fee if you were if you tell them that you heard about them from me. All right. So Richard, the other thing you said from the stage was one of your last pieces of advice was Hey, if you're a regular poster and some people, a woman who was sitting next to me said she was using auto posting. So she was using some piece of software to post and she was posting like six times a day. And she literally said she was getting like 15, 20, 40 views on every post. And I said, wow, I usually get like 500 plus, but I would only post once a day. I knew that before I met you. And one of the things you said is, hey, why not take a week off and just comment? Let's talk about why commenting matters, both from the standpoint of me commenting that, but what comments do for the post that the other person has done. Yeah, great, uh, great segue there because all of us have been trained that it's content, 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 right? Pump it out, content, 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 whether it's often, a little bit, every once in a while, video, whatever. On LinkedIn, LinkedIn is not measuring the content it doesn't, LinkedIn is measuring the conversation. Did your content drive a conversation? And conversations are measured by comments. Okay, that's great. You've got a bunch of comments on your post. I got a bunch of comments on my post. But here's the thing. LinkedIn is now going to show that to some people, but it takes some work to get all those comments. Instead, if you want to build your brand and you want to expand your reach of influence and you want to see the number of people looking at your profile view jump by 200 to 300% in a single week, stop posting content. 
and instead start participating in the conversations that are happening in your industry and amongst your network by in-depth, useful, detailed comments. And what we all are trained to do by Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter is when we see a post and we like it, we want to comment, good job, awesome, thanks for sharing. Nice post. Because we, nice post. Because we forget those other social media platforms reward us for talking back to the author. But on LinkedIn, yeah, we're talking back to the author. But in reality, LinkedIn is also taking your comment, lifting it, and putting it in front of your network. So your network sees great post. Nothing else. They see you say, or congrats. Or, hey, I knew you could do it. Well done. No I, hey, I went, I, went to college, I went to college in San Diego. So, like, cool, dude. Cool, dude. And I even showed one from the stage. C- cool story, bro. I mean, it was literally, it was the, the head of the digital whatever for the U.S. Air Force. For, we forget, and we, most of us don't even know, that LinkedIn is using every comment we make as a means of spreading our message and our brand. So, rather than you trying to create a piece of content and then driving everybody to, to it, Take your ideas, your thoughts, and your input and put it into other people's conversations. So, Tom, you make a post. I'm going to go out there and say, Tom, great post. One of the things I like that you pointed out was this, this, and this. As you remember on my presentation, I talked about this and it's so important. Thanks for sharing this post. Okay, I paraphrased a little bit. But that comment now has become a mini post. And that comment now is going to be lifted and placed in front of my network. And now my network is going to see that I made a comment about speaking at the National Speakers Association and your information was useful here, here, and here, and here's what was going on. All of that's in the comment in front of my audience. Yeah, you saw it, but you and I are friends. You're like, oh, hey, look, Richard commented on my post. That's great. But in reality, my comment now drove your conversation into my audience, and I didn't even have to create the content. I just simply commented. If you do that three times a day for just three days in a week, you're going to see a hundred to 300% jump in the number of people viewing your profile. And that's what you want. Yeah, it's great. They looked at your content, but you really want them coming to your profile where they can start figuring out if they want to do business with you. All right. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a little non-scientific proof. So starting on Sunday, I did it more than three times a day, but starting on Sunday, when I heard you speak until now, which we're recording this on a Tuesday, I actually went out and commented on lots of people who I knew and who I support, who I wanted to help boost their post because getting a comment will boost their post because it tells the algorithm that, hey, somebody thinks that this is worth commenting on. So I did that to a bunch of my friends, especially people who were in the room at the conference, just to say, I was listening and I'm supporting you. So I'm making this post, but I made it a couple of sentences long. I made it praising them. I didn't make it salesy for me. Like, oh, by the way, I'm a professional speaker and I work with teams on how to grow your networks and get your people to be more known. I just would apply some of the stuff I teach as, you know, in a way that was non salesy. I I know a person who will come on to my stuff and we have a competitive situation and he'll be like, oh, in my book, blah, blah, blah. He'll, his comment will sell himself. And I always want to go barf. But so I, I did it in a way that talked about my expertise, but wasn't braggy or buy from me. And today I looked at how many people have viewed my profile and the latest stat was yesterday. Yesterday, I had more people view my profile and they give you a little graph than any day since December, which is where the graph began. So in one day, I had more profile views because I was commenting than I have ever had in three months. Yep. 
And that's what happens. You'll get more profile views in that week than you have in the previous 90 days, simply as you followed it. Tom, I was pretty uh, stunned because most of the time when I present, I stand in front of sales teams and executives. It takes a while for them to get up to speed to understand what I'm saying. I, got, I barely got out of the door when you were already out there doing this. And so I was very impressed. But yes, that number of people, I mean, I've had some cumulative where they've got more in that one day than cumulative they've had in the previous 90 days, simply because you started paying attention to other people's conversations, other people's content. And people are like, wow, who's this person providing these really interesting insights to this topic? And people are click on your name and they're like, huh, look at this. Interesting. Yeah. And it was mostly, it was about half and half. Mostly some people knew me and were my contacts and some people were, were other people who didn't know me. I was a lot of strangers clicked on my post. Now here's the other thing, like you mentioned was barely out the door. So after you, you spoke, there was one more keynote and then we all said goodbye and everybody's hugging. I'm in the lobby of the hotel with four other speakers and we were discussing in detail everything you said. Cause we're like, what? No video. I thought video was King. We were going through step by step and I'm not stupid. I said, let's all do an experiment here. And I took a selfie of the five of us. I saw that. And then I said, because I'm still a visual guy, couldn't go text only. But I did a selfie of the five of us. And then I said, blah, 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 attending conferences. I'm a real big believer that trade associations are the secret weapon to getting from disconnectedness to belonging. And so I wrote, and that's what I speak about, is, is how do we get to that state of belonging with our network and stuff? So I worked that into about 150 word post. And then all of those people agreed that in the next 90 minutes, they would leave an in-depth comment. And then I reached out to a few other friends. And in the first half hour, in the first hour, I got 11 comments. And then I didn't touch it again and it literally got almost 8,000 views in 36 hours for that and something like 20 plus comments. And it, it, so everything you taught in the thing really did have an impact. And uh, of course, that group all thought it was great because together we did it. I came up with the idea. So I got the, the the traffic. But now each one of those people is doing it and they're reaching out going, make sure to go give that comment. So let's really quick. We're running a little long, but I, I want to do this really quick. Why? Do I want to get those 10 plus comments in the first 90 minutes? The algorithm is testing that test group, that 10% of your network for the first hour to see if it should be distributed to a wider audience. And so for every like, you get two points. For every time somebody shares, you get four points. But every time somebody comments, you get eight to 14 points of value. In, and, then that, and then dwell time. How long did people spend reading it? Did they click the see more button? And how quickly did all of that happen? That scoring goes into that post for the first hour to determine by the algorithm, is this worthy to be shared with a wider audience? If you can get a minimum of 10 comments in the first hour, the algorithm guarantees that your post will be viewed by a minimum of 1,000 people in the first 24 hours. And so that's, it's the timeliness. LinkedIn, I, I teach my executives and everything. Look, if you're going to make a major post, you need to treat it as a live event. You can't just post and ghost. You can't just dump it out there and then walk away. This is why. The canned, scheduled, automated posts fail because you are not present. And LinkedIn knows that. The post went out there. You got comments. Nobody responded. Okay, you're disconnected. We're not going to share this because obviously you don't care. So we're not going to care. And that's what it comes down to. So does this work the same way if I have a company page versus, of course, mine is just, hey, I'm Tom Singer. If I am, uh, if I have Tom Singer professional speaker page if I do the same thing and get the comments and, and get engagement, does it do the same thing or do they treat company pages differently? 
they treat companies' pages different. One, you only have a 2% test group that it goes out to. It's a very small, the company has to pay to get a bigger audience. And two, it doesn't quite respond the same way. If all your employees uh, of your company are responding, you get value, but not as much value of, let's say, somebody like me who steps outside a second or third degree connection is going to add significant value. Their comment's going to be worth more points than somebody inside your organization. So your personal LinkedIn page is where the magic is. That's the thing. LinkedIn's given us access to 800 million users for free. And yet so many people are just using it as a dumping ground for their uh, generic stock photo, inspirational quote stuff. Sure. Forgetting it. It's mind boggling the difference and you've already proved it. And that's why it's jaw dropping when I get on stage and be able to share with people just how wrong everything they've been doing. Sabotage is what I call it. Those habits you've learned are sabotaging what you're trying to do. All right. So as you finished up your speech, you were running a little bit long, which in the professional speaker world, you were about to get body slammed by the master of ceremonies. He was coming. He had his pads on. He had his helmet on. He was running he out was after smaller you. smaller than me. He and was. So you saw what I did, right? Yeah. I you just, you just, you straight armed him. You gave him the Heisman right there. He, I did. I, I've never did. seen anyone give him. Brian Walter the Heisman and you just went, Hey, we got one more thing. And that one more thing was something that's become really annoying to most of us is these auto responders and stuff where people are automating sending messages to people. Yep. They've, they've got outside softwares that are grabbing my LinkedIn and sending me a note going, hey, Tom, and it's all personal and lovey-dovey, but really that person is off on the beach in Tahiti and a computer is sending this stuff to me and we're getting all these DMs. <laughs> you found a way to just beat the DM. So tell us about that. I did. And what's funny is that he did try to pull me off stage and I'm like, nope, I've got not, I'm going to use 90 more seconds. And here's what I shared. If anybody goes and looks at my LinkedIn profile, Richard Bliss, is, um, you can find it, obviously. They're going to notice that I have a bullet in front of my name. A just a dot, dot. A dot. It's just it's, dot, it's a dot Richard Bliss. Yeah. I thought, because I, I looked you up before, because I wanted to see your, your your session. I looked you up and I just thought that was a differentiator because Richard Bliss, there was like 433 of them. So I thought it was like, oh, I'm the guy with the dot, but that's not what it is. No, it's not what it is. If you look at the rest of my team members, they all use emojis. They're uh, millennials. They're into emojis, moons and pens and whatever. I'm not an emoji guy. After I discovered that that pile of chocolate ice cream with the smiley eyes wasn't ice cream, that's when I stopped using uh, emojis. Um, So that dot means that when the automatic bots try to send me an in-mail message or send me an automatic connection request, and I have a dozen of them in my inbox right now, here's what it says. Hey, dot. (laughs) I had one that said, hey, dot. LinkedIn's making it harder for us humans to connect. Would you be so kind to connect with me? Uh-huh. <laughs> Dude, you're so wrong with that because the bots can't di- differentiate the fact that the dot is not part of my name. So they'll scrape it, pull it out, and stick it in the front. Hi, dot, Richard. Hi, dot. And I can easily then spot them in mail messages and the, um, and the connection requests are an easy way for me just to say, oh, I can ignore you. So, You're just a bot. So in LinkedIn, when I fill it out, it gives me a, uh, a field for first name and last name. Are you putting yes. dot Richard or are you putting dot as your first name and Richard Bliss as your last name? Great question. So it's dot Richard, dot space Richard. And so it's almost like a uh, John Walter or yeah. um, Mary no, Ellen. Ma- yeah, Mary right. Ellen. And so it's a dot space Richard and they can't figure it out. Now, a dot to do, so I see some people do stars and periods. A dot's a little hard to find. So it's, it's on my keyboard, it's alt eight is how you get the dot. Cause it, you can't put 
what are those? The ASCII characters. You can't put ASCII characters. So it's a dot. A, a, a bullet will work. If you can't get the dot, you can go ahead and go to my profile, copy and paste it. You can cut and paste and drop the dot in if you can't actually get your keyboard to work. And Tom, here's another side effect of this. I now see the Richard, the Bliss Army when people reach out to me to connect. I can tell immediately if they have been influenced by my training because they have the dot in front of their name. And I'm like, oh. There's another, uh, there's another follower of the bliss, uh, of the bliss so, philosophy. Somebody right else who is standing on the bliss point. There you go. So if somebody yeah, listen, if somebody listened to this, and I'm imagining most of the executives in my audience, and they're like, must find more about Richard Bliss and Bliss Point. How do they find you? Uh, on LinkedIn is the best way. Richard Bliss on LinkedIn, <laughs> and he's the uh, one with the dot before I'm his name, Richard dot. Bliss. On the dot, they can go to blisspointconsult.com as our website. Uh, they can Google me. Uh, I'm all over. If you do Google me, <laughs> here's an interesting story. I know we're over time. <laughs> it's okay. I, 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 I want to hear this story. Uh, I'm from Olympia, Washington. I used to live in San Diego. I have a brother named John, and I'm in the tech industry. If you Google Richard Bliss San Diego, Richard Bliss Olympia, the first entry is a Wikipedia entry that Richard Bliss from Olympia, Washington, living in San Diego in the tech industry, has been arrested in Russia as a spy. The President of the United States and the Secretary of State are involved to extract Richard from a prison, a Russian prison. Okay, His brother John is quoted in the press as saying, my brother is not a spy. Okay, This is incredibly pertinent today with what's happening in the news. I was just going to say, wow, talk about being topical this week. It's all true except one small ingredient. It's not me. It's another Richard Bliss. From Olympia, Washington, living in San Diego with a brother named John in the tech industry. My mother called me. Where are you? I mean, she, I answer the phone. Hello? Where are you? I'm not in Russia. was the comment I made to my mother. Here's why I share that story. If you don't c- control your narrative online in this digital first world, Something else or someone else will control it for you. So make sure that you're out there with a strong presence so people know who you are and what you stand for. So have, Tom, that's have, how they can find me. Have you Google ever reached me. out? Have you ever reached out to the other Richard Bliss, the, the former not spy, according to John? There, I will tell you the rest of the story after the call because <laughs> there is another, I have not but my family has uh, worked with him in the past and there's, I, I prefer not to share the awesome. specific details, that's okay. but yes. That's, yes. That, that's funny. Well, I will add that when, when uh, Google first came out, I'm, I'm, I'm dating myself here a little bit because that was like almost 20 years ago. When Google first came out, I received a phone call from Tom Singer, T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R, guy my exact same age. He went to Chico State. I went to San Diego State. Oh, my God. We both grew up in and around the, the, uh, the, 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 the San Gabriel Valley. And he said, this is really weird. If you Google our name, and I had I, never Googled my name. I knew what Google was. But he said, if you Google our name, it comes up you and me because we both write. I used to write articles for the Austin Business Journal. And he wrote for Baja Bug Magazine. And it literally was like, it looked like the same person at first glance because they both from California. If you, if you looked for stuff, San Diego Absolutely. state, maybe, maybe you went two years to Chico, two years to San Diego. And it was very interesting. And so I remember going on a meeting with somebody who wanted to sell to the company I was with. And the person starts talking about off road racing of Baja bugs. 
And I changed the subject because it didn't mean anything to me. And he went back to it. And finally, I looked at him and I'm like, did you Google me before this meeting? And he was like kind of embarrassed because back then that might have been stalking. Now, right now, you wouldn't right. go to a meeting without Googling somebody. But 20 years ago, it was like, ah. and he's like, yes. And I go, that's a different guy. That's not that's not me. That's not me. That wasn't that wasn't me. And then that was the only contact, the only thing that ever happened. And then about five years ago, my phone rings and the guy goes, do you remember me? This is Tom Singer. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, by the way, I don't exist on Google. <laughs> right? He goes, because you, you do so much social media and so much writing and so many videos and so many podcasts. He goes, I cannot find, he goes, you know, people, some people say, oh, you have to go to page five to find me. He goes, I couldn't find me. When I Googled Tom Singer, T-H-O-M. So you made me laugh. My guy wasn't a spy. No. And I do fail security background checks. Every time I work with the customer that requires it, I fail it every time. And I, so now I just send them the link. That's not me. Awesome. Tom, this has been awesome. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Oh, thank you. This has been so much fun. I'm, I'm a big fanboy of Richard Bliss and what he's teaching executives. I'm, I'm looking to learn what you can learn in more than a 20 minute speech. So everybody go check out what he has to offer and do me a favor. Come back for every single episode because I try to bring you people who are shaking things up and making waves in business. So go out there, flex your business muscles. Make sure that your career ladder is against the correct wall because climbing the career ladder and getting to the top and finding out, oops, I'm in the wrong place, that's not a good thing. And then finally, while you're out there doing all this stuff, have some fun along the way. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.